you weren't listening to the video, my name's Micaiah. <laughs> I get the privilege of serving here at the heart with my husband, Seth, and we have a little boy named Jameson. He is eight months old as of yesterday. He is the light of our lives, the king of juicy cheeks, and we are just super in love with him. He came out like pretty normal size, like seven pounds, and then all of a sudden he just turned into like this total fluffalumpagus. Like, I don't know what happened, but I love it. And I wouldn't have him any other way. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day weekend. I, yes, you can cheer. <laughs> I have some very amazing mamas in my life. My mom is here. I think she actually has Jameson out in the foyer. Deborah, my, mo- my other mama's here, of course, Ray Dean. And then I have a third mama who might be listening online, um, Dawn. So these are some of the strongest women that I know, and they inspire me to be a better mom every single day. So um, very in love with them as well. <laughs> the title of my message today is Burns Like a Mother, and I am so excited to be with you and to share some very fresh new lessons that I have been learning in these very short eight months that I have been, been a mother. Before we dive into the message, let's go ahead and read the first and main verse that I want to talk about today. Like my husband would say, just in case everything else I say is totally crazy, at least we will have started with some scripture, and you can at least be edified from that. (laughs) So let's go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It's pretty short and sweet, but it is so challenging. Here it is. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let's pray. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for mamas. I thank you for all the mothers in the house. I thank you for everybody here who's not a mother, God. I just pray that you would be glorified tonight, that we would be able to hear your voice, that you would speak specifically, individually to each and every person here, Father. This is all for you. We bless your name. Have your way. Amen. So, you know, a lot of things, they, they change after you've had a child and they're not quite what they used to be. <laughs> um, for example, like maybe before having a child, somebody would invite us over for dinner at 5.30 and I'd be like, um, are we 85? Why are we eating in the afternoon? <laughs> and now after having a child, somebody invites us over for dinner at 5.30 and I'm like, Ooh, it's kind of a little late. It's like an hour and a half before Jameson's bedtime. Do you think we could do 4 p.m.? Like, is that okay? Or how about this one? Before a baby, um, you're like, man, I've had such a long week. I'm so exhausted. I just need some me time. I'm going to sleep in, maybe wake up around 9, maybe go shopping, have a little massage, come home, take a nap for the rest of the afternoon. It's going to be good. I can't wait to rest. Then after a baby, it's like, wow, I've had a long week. I'm so exhausted. Maybe I will be able to take a five-minute shower or, 
or, or after. My husband and I were kind of like, maybe? It's like, it's like kind of fun getting to go to work. Like, it's like, ooh, I'm going to have some me time. I'm going to go to work today. Okay. Or it's like, I'm going to go grocery shopping by myself. Like, that is, that is me time now. It's, it's a little, it just looks a little different, you know, than what it used to look like. But I would not change one thing, nothing about being a parent. <laughs> Motherhood is such a beautiful picture of God and us. And we get a glimpse, I think, of being selfless through many other seasons of life. But when you have a baby, it becomes real. (laughs) Even prior to pregnancy, I felt like I got a few lessons on selflessness. Like I went to college and I had a roommate in college for a little bit of it. I was married, but I'd also go to Moscow, and I had some um, friend roommates that I'd spend the week with. And so, you know, you had to learn how to be a good roommate and be respectful and kind of share an apartment. I had a mattress on the floor. I had to push it in every morning and learn how to be selfless in that way and um, sharing a space. And then I got married, and then I had to learn how to share a bed with someone. And that was a smaller space than an, appoint- than an apartment. And then I got pregnant, and I had to learn how to share a body with somebody. (laughs) Where (laughs) I was like, whoa, okay, like, oh, you're in my rib. Would you mind just, like, coming down a little bit, pushing down? Or, oh, that's my bladder that you're standing on. Would you mind just, like, staying in the middle somewhere? Like, not too high, not too. So so I had learned some selfishness, selflessness, but um, pregnancy definitely um, opened my eyes to this new thing. And as my pregnancy progressed, my eyes were unveiled to a deeper understanding of God's beautiful design of life and how each part he's made a reflection of our relationship with him. God, he creates this human inside of a woman's body, and it's so intimate and intricate, and I believe it's a display of how closely God wants to be with us in our daily lives. In Psalms 139, verse 13, it speaks of that intimacy. It says, for you formed me in my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. After God performs this miraculous work inside of a woman's body, her body, it it literally breaks sometimes. I mean, stitches are sometimes involved in, in birth. As she brings this human, this new life into the world, her body breaks for another, just like Jesus's body broke for us on the cross when they broke his legs as he was bringing us into new life with him. It says in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 11, verse 24, when Jesus is with his, last, is his disciples at the Last Supper, he says, and when he had given thanks, him being Jesus, he broke it, the bread, and he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After her body, a woman's body is broken for that baby, bringing new life into the world, she then sustains that life through her body if she's able and if she chooses to breastfeed, much like 
God, he sustains us through himself when we have new life in him. In John 15, verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If we don't remain in him and allow him to be our life source, much like a baby, we can do nothing. A baby must depend on his mother for feeds, and we must depend on God. So as I was living out this beautiful metaphor of God and, and us through motherhood, I began to see this, this thing start kind of rearing its head in me. And at first I didn't really notice it because I was like, crazy on hormones after delivery, and then I got really sick. And, but as, as the adrenaline kind of fell off, I, I began to notice this thing amidst the wonder and the beauty and the passion of having this, this little baby boy. And it was something that is called selfishness. <laughs> and it was so ironic because having and caring for my child is one of the most glorious things that I've ever experienced. Um, But when it came down to it, it's really sad to say, but I was having trouble putting someone else before me, counting somebody more significant than myself, like it talks about in Philippians 2. And even if you're not a mother today in this room, I would would challenge you um, that God wants to pull selflessness out of each and every one of us. And for me, he's chosen to do it through an avenue of motherhood. But there, are, trust me, there are plenty of other avenues that God can work selfishness out of you. So if you're not a mom today, maybe just think, okay, maybe it's not motherhood. For me, what avenue could God be doing a similar work in me? It was one of my first evenings away from Jameson when I began to notice this little selfish part of me (laughs) um, start rearing its head. And um, I was my first evening out, and I went to small group. Did something really crazy. I just went to small group. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) party it up. Um, But we were there, and there was another mama there that was sharing just how postpartum had been kind of difficult for her and she just was going through some different things and so we began to all get around her and pray for her. This is a shameless plug to get in a small group if you are not in a small group already because we talk about real things, real life stuff and we pray with each other. We talk about it and so that's exactly what we were doing. We were gathering around her and praying and I was like man I just want to pray for her. I want her to feel so encouraged. I want to just speak life over her and so I began praying this encouraging prayer over her. And as I was praying, just like, you know how like when words just start kind of like leaving your mouth and you're like, oh, they're there now for everybody to hear. And that kind of happened to me as I was praying. Like, I just remember the words leaving my mouth like, um, <laughs> when you become a mother, a piece of you dies. And I just like somehow got on this thing of, death and motherhood and I was like aiming to really encourage her but it was just like happening and I was like oh my gosh this is happening okay so I was just like praying about death and motherhood and like uh, uh and I was like 
wow, okay. And I just stopped praying. And it was awkward for everybody in the room. You could tell because I know this because my small group leader, you know, like when you try to rein somebody back in when they're kind of like on the edges of the group, that was me. And she was like, so, um, Micaiah, I just wanted to like ask you what you meant by that prayer of death and motherhood. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, great question. Um, and, but as I sat there and I thought about it, I was like, you know what? I think that that death that I was praying about was actually a, it's actually a good thing. I think that that death is simply selfishness that's dying. <laughs> and as you become a mother, it's true. A part of you, it should die. And this might be a sobering feeling in the beginning when you're saying goodbye to some of your former ways, like probably a lot fewer spontaneous plans, or maybe no more 9 a.m. sleep-in weekend times, or no more hours upon hours to do whatever you did with your spare time, whether it was crafting, reading, exercising, hanging out with friends. But removing some of these things in order to count someone more significant than yourself is so well worth it. Motherhood has brought me into a more brilliant, more colorful dimension of life that I never knew existed. I didn't even know it was possible. And how ironic is that? That saying goodbye to some things that I thought would make me feel alive, that I thought would make me feel more comfortable in this life, that I thought would make me feel super happy. I'm actually living a more fulfilled, more life full of peace, a life filled with, filled with more purpose as I live without those things, or maybe just less of those things than when they were my main focus. You know, this world, it tries to tell us, like, oh, you just need a little bit more you time. You just really need to make sure that you're doing, like, self-care. You just, a little more, you just need a little bit more free time. But, you see, the Bible says that true life comes from losing our own life. And, you see, God, he burns things out of us so that we can burn for something greater. In Proverbs 25 verse 4 it says, take away the dross from the silver and the smith has material for a vessel. Now this verse is talking about a process that a blacksmith would use whenever he wants to use a metal for something that's a value or for something that has a specific purpose like maybe he wants to make jewelry or a fork or silverware out of some metal. And so what he has to do before he makes that metal into something useful is he has to burn it. He literally has to burn it and allow for the impurities to surface to the top. And as those impurities, they surface to the top, he takes his hand and he removes the dross or those, or those impurities as they surface to the top. And he does this continually until the metal is pure. The burning leads to a pure metal. And if you don't do this process, when you are creating something from a metal, the metal won't be pure, and it won't hold its shape when you want it to do what you want it to do. So, like, if I didn't remove the dross when I was making a ring, the ring is not going to hold its shape. It's going to be useless. The fork is going to be 
floppy. <laughs> Who wants a floppy fork, right? So <laughs> he has to remove the dross in order to make the metal pure. And I believe that God wants to remove the dross of selfishness from our lives so that we can burn for another human being like he does for us. He needs to make the impurities surface up sometimes so that we can hold our shape when it comes time to be used for something greater. Sometimes saying goodbye to those things that we think that we love, to those things that we think are so important to us, they're actually just impurities that are holding us back from doing something fuller and from having a more vibrant life in him. I think as God purifies us through this burning process, one of the main ways or the main things, the vessels that he likes to use us for after we've been burned is for a vessel of war. A few months back, we were talking with some of our friends um, and their parents, actually. And they have, like, a million kids or a lot of kids. And so we're like, you guys are pros. We're going to ask you, what is your best parenting advice? And I will never forget what the mom said when we asked her that. She said to speak destiny over your babies from the moment that they come into the world. She talked about how she would speak over her son, and she said that she would say, you are a son of obedience. You are a man of God from a very young age. And guess what happened to that guy? He became a man of obedience. He became a man of God. He's actually Aslan White. He's our music director now. (laughs) Yeah. So the words that we speak over our kids are powerful. Ladies, we need to start praying. We need to prophesy over our our babies. And as God burns selfishness out of our life, we need to allow that same fire to propel us and to become a warrior for somebody else. We have to speak life. We have to prophesy. We have to speak their God-given destinies over them. Even if they're babies and they don't understand English, their spirits will resonate with what we say to them. We need to call them men or women of God from little, little young ages. If you don't have children, you can do this to your spiritual children. If you don't have spiritual children, you should get some to do it, to do it over. When I pray for my son, I keep the verse from Romans 8, 38 to 39 at the forefront of my mind. It says this, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which, in, which is in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Today, I challenge you to ask God for specific scripture to circle around your children as they grow up or to circle around those disciples that have been placed inside of your life and um, because it is going to be powerful to speak specific scriptures, to call out things inside of them that need to be called out. That is your job, whether you are a biological parent or whether you are a spiritual parent. It's a part of our jobs. And when selfishness sneaks its little head into your thoughts or into your actions, you just remember that that is one of the most important jobs that you can do on this earth is to 
count somebody else more significant than yourself. So when your baby is waking up at 3 a.m. and you're tempted to say bad things or when your baby's crying and you're just starting to cry too or that teenager is giving you a little bit of lip, (laughs) instead of complaining, this is what you do. You begin to to speak that destiny over them. You say, no, 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 no. When Jameson's like, "Ah!" I'm like, no, no, no. You are a man of God. I just put him up right here on my shoulder and I say, your steps are ordered by the Lord, Jameson. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind. I steal Aslan's mom's advice and I say, you are a man of obedience, Jameson. And guess what happens when I start declaring those things over my son, my heart, it begins to burn for better things. That selfishness that's inside of me that's like, "Ah, I want to cry. It's like, no, it can't take up residence because my heart is burning for better things. As you become a warrior for your children, your spiritual children, your disciples, whoever it is in your life, don't hear what I'm, what I'm not saying. I'm not saying to forget the things that God has called you to do if they're outside the home. I'm not, call, I'm not, I'm not saying to just forget everything and, you know, let yourself be um, just, I don't know, like to, to forget all of your passions. I believe that this time, you know, in, in early motherhood, it is a time for dreams. It is a time for creativity to spring forth. If you've just had a baby, there's like lingering creativity physically inside of your body that you can tap into. God, with the help of God, you just created a human being. You are so, so creative. So tap into that um, and ask God specifically for passions that he would have for you during this time, even if it's years to come, even if it's 18 years that those things happen, you can ask those things for God to be revealed to you right now. Choose to be home, choose to be at work, whatever you choose to do, do it with confidence and know that it's from the Lord. I think one of the most beautiful things about God and the picture of motherhood is that you don't have to be a biological mother to experience motherhood because God, his character is so nurturing. He has so many motherly characteristics within him that he, he places inside of his children. He can place those inside of your hearts, whether you are a woman and want to be a mother or whether you're a man and you're never going to be a mother. God God can place those characteristics inside of your heart so that you can experience motherhood if you're not a biological mother. And the other second thing that I love about motherhood is even if you're relationship with your biological mother is strained. Maybe it's not what you hoped that it would be. Maybe it is non-existent. There are so many wonderful moms in the community of God, in the church, that are just waiting, that are just ready to mother you and wanting to love you in that way. Isn't it beautiful how God, he always redeems How even if you don't know your biological mother, you can still have one if you are in the body of Christ. For even if you can't have children or you're, you know, you're, you are a man, (laughs) um, you can still experience the heart of God of being a mother. 
Isn't it funny how death sometimes can bring new life? How the breaking of something can bring healing to someone else? You know, I think about Jesus' death and how ironic it is that it brought me new life. And how his death brought you new life if you're a believer today. His death was that we may live. And I just wonder, what kind of life could spring forth if you allow selfishness to die in your life? Maybe you're already selfless. <laughs> I want to talk to you, because <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> maybe, maybe you've got that down. You're like, you know what, I'm actually, I'm actually really good at that. What else could God be burning up inside of you so that you can live fuller? What impurity do you think he might want to allow to rise to the surface so that you can be used for something useful? Maybe it's vanity. Maybe it's comparison. Maybe it's pride. Could be anything. As I was praying for this night, and right after I was invited to speak, I just felt like, God gave me a picture of something that he was doing or wanted to do in, in the hearts of people. And I actually saw him inside many, I mean, so many people's hearts. And he was in there, and he had a blowtorch. And what he was doing was he was taking the torch to the interior, like the inside of the walls, and just torching it. And he told me, I want to cauterize some hearts of the people that are in the congregation. And um, cauterization is sometimes something that they do in order to close a wound or in order to prevent blood loss. And I heard him say that there might be some moms, parents, dads in this room that they have this wound that's been there for a long time, and it's an old wound, and it needs to be closed up. He said, like, it was almost like, man, maybe my childhood, like, there's people in the room where their childhoods are not, are not a good thing in their memories, or their parents maybe weren't what, what they hoped that a parent would be, and now they have a child, and it's like, oh my gosh, how am I going to know how to raise this child, this human, when I didn't even have an example in my own life, like how all the things from my past, all the things from generations back are going to bleed into this new life that I have, and there's just like this thing that God wants to do. He's saying, no, 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 I want to close that wound. I want to cauterize that so that that emotional bleeding is not going to happen anymore. This is a new generation that he's creating. No more sins from generation to generation. I just felt like he wanted to say, you know what? Fears of the past, fears of poor parenting are going to stop tonight. So if that's you, if you feel like, man, yeah, I have some stuff where I'm really worried about repeating things um, that are in my family history. I want to pray for you tonight. And maybe, you know what? You're like, yeah, mm, 
I'm not a parent, but I have some things. I have some wounds from the past that I want to be cauterized. I want them to be no more, no more pain. I don't want to have to think about them coming in, bleeding into my life right now in the present. And I just want God to just take them and I want him to cauterize them. Would you just stand before we go into prayer? Is there anybody in the room tonight that just feels like, gosh, I have a wound in my heart that has been open for many, many, many years. Maybe it's not even, you know, it could be even a a recent wound, but there's that thing inside of you that says, I'm scared of the past repeating. I have something from the past that I don't want to keep repeating. I just want, I just want God. I want you to heal me. I want you to do that cauterization to my heart. Is there anybody in the room tonight that resonates with that? If you do, just just slip your hand up. I see some hands going up, and I just want to pray for you. I thank you, God, for what you're doing. I thank you, Father, for the fact that you want to take those things, Father, that have caused us pain. You want to take those things, God, that have just been bleeding, like, like we've been bleeding out, and you say, you know what? No more. No more. I'm just going to seal that up, God. So each and every person that has their hand up tonight, God, I believe in faith, Lord, that you are doing what you said you were going to do. You said you're, you're, it's going to be a new season, God. So I declare a new season over each and every person, Father, whether it's in parenting, they need strategies, they need help with parenting, God. I speak just provision and strategies for them, God. I, I pray provision, Father, for people that aren't, that aren't, um, parents that just need healing, God. I pray, Father, that you would do that tonight. We speak a new season, a restorative strength to each and every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.